It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle. Sometime every Saturday when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right, and we try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation. Enough, so great to have you along. We're here for two hours today. We'll be here till 4 o'clock. Then Curtis Lee will comes in for left versus right. I don't know if he'll be here in the studio. He might be behind bars at a lockup. Somewhere in Queens. Got to talk to him about. He's getting arrested and he's apparently got plans to do it again. I think there's a conflict of interest. You know, Melinda Katz, one of his many former exes, former spouses, former formers, is the district attorney. He and I share a little bit of uh, history. Melinda Katz used to be married to him and, and she and I ran against each other in 1998 when Chuck Schumer ran for Senate and, and narrowly beat her. And she's... Uh, she was on this week with John and Rita, and she has to prosecute Curtis, I guess. I wouldn't mind seeing that. It's great to have you here. We have Christian on the calls and Ava. Yes, Ava seems to have won the lottery. Or was it an audition or was it a tryout or was it just the last one standing? She's going to be on the board, and I think she's going to be there for a while. We hope she's really great and great to have her helping out. And also Kevin is supervising somewhere high above up in the tower. At Rep Wiener, R-E-P-W-I-N-E-R, Anthony, as that's Twitter, Anthony D. Wiener on Threads. Is Threads still a thing, or is it done? Is it all done? We done with Threads? Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com is how you can email me. And 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I'll take you to 4 o'clock. And uh, you can always get us, WABCradio.com. So it, uh, it's been a, it's a gorgeous day outside. Man, oh man, I took a, as, per, as my usual habit, I took a city bike up here. And you know, city bikes, they're pretty durable, these big, hunky, clunky things, but they break from time to time. And the one I had today didn't, you know, it's very common for their baskets, which are very heavy, to kind of break and be dangling, and it's a little bit of a pain in the neck. But today I had a bike that the front the basket was completely torn off, so the bike was so much lighter. So I was flying up First Avenue on the way here. Didn't violate any traffic laws if the NYPD is listening. Um, tonight the Jets play the Bucks. 
I have to tell you, I have to confess, I did not want to and did not think I would like Aaron Rodgers, but I've been watching Hard Knocks on HBO, you know, so behind the scenes, whatever. He's a really hard guy not to like. He really does seem to have a great influence on the team, and he seems he's funny and he's nice. Maybe I'm just getting caught up in it, but um, Jets fever will soon be underway. I am struggling a little bit. You know, you guys have listened to me for the last seven months or so, complain about various hockey injuries I've had. I'm going to turn 59 in a couple of weeks, and I've been playing hockey since I was nine, and I play on a team still, and I'm not – each year I'm getting a little less good, plainly put. But I'm very competitive, and I really like the game. And so, as you know, I had this back injury that led to sciatica and things like that. I, I was off my feet for a long time in a lot of pain. And I've been rehabbing it, trying to get back into shape. And I've been getting back on the ice a couple of times. And I was on the ice on Wednesday. And I did something to my knee, that same weak leg. And I am, I'm hopeful it's okay. But now I'm starting to worry that it's not. And the reason I'm mentioning this is the new season is going to start soon. I'm the goalie, right? So I, they don't have five goalies on the team. They have a goalie. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's the middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. And, um, I don't want to go on the group text and say, hey, guys, I'm injured again, first of all, that they're tired of hearing this about me. And also, I want to see if I get better, but I also have to put the wheels in motion to find someone to replace me in goal if I'm not going to be. And so I'm a little bit down about that because I keep waiting, waking up, trying it out and seeing if it's any better. It's now since Wednesday that it's been hurt. So I've been a little down about that. But that should be the worst thing that happens to me. A, a knee injury slows me up on the hockey rink. I know a lot of people deal with a lot worse. So a lot of news this week, as usual. As you know, the show's been extended to two hours, um, and we're only going to do a couple of breaks each hour because there's so much news. And so let me get right into it. First, let's do some of the, the interesting, contradictory numbers of the week. One is that mortgage rates are surging out of control. Interest rates keep going up to the highest that they've been in 21 years and now average 7.09%, 30-year fixed rate. But that's one number. But a second number that is that is somewhat contradictory, unless you think people are really optimistic about rates coming down in the future, is new construction rose almost 4%, which is the highest it's been to more than a year. That's 1.45 annualized, meaning that's how many new units that are being built. That means that people who are investing in this business of trying to figure out who's going to buy houses and when, they think that, you know, whenever this – they think in the not-too-distant future rates are going to start coming down. And they're probably right. I mean, there's only so much they can be they can be raised. And, you know, I've heard some people blaming Joe Biden for the Fed raising rates. Look, monetary policy is done by the Fed independent of the executive branch. Fiscal policy, you know, taxes, you know, regulation, that, that you can blame Trump or you can blame Biden for. But the, the Fed is an independent thing, as it should be. You want just smart – Economists trying to figure this out. And they've done a pretty good job if you are just looking at the, at the inflation rate is down, is down 3%. It's getting closer and closer to what their target is. The problem is that so many businesses rely upon relatively cheap money. And we went through a period where money was basically free. And among those people who rely on the most is those of us in New York City. You don't have to be in real estate to be rooting for rates to come down because the real estate market is so much what drives revenue in our city. And a lot of those loans that these real estate investors and real estate builders have taken out at zero one percent, they're going to 
now have to roll over into into that you know higher numbers I described and make the and a lot of these things are on our floating rates that go up as the T bill rate goes up. So higher rates are bad, but you can't really blame Joe Biden for higher interest rates. That's the Fed doing what they're trying to do to curb inflation. And the final numbers are about the subject we're going to talk a little bit about here, at least the first hour. It might take us more than that. Um, 97 pages is the the latest indictment of Donald Trump coming out of Georgia. 19 people indicted, 41 counts. I know I have said in the past, like in the case in down in Mar-a-Lago, and even the January 6th case, that you can read these indictments. They're pretty easy. They're pretty breezy. Not this one. Because this one is a very different. It's, 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 I mean, look, how do I summarize it? I mean, laws around elections are left to the individual states. Georgia has its laws. New York has its laws. Pennsylvania has its laws. They have different laws on who can vote, where they can vote, laws on who can get on the ballot and how, laws about how elections are run, individual states. Do those things. Laws about how votes are counted, how winners are decided. And if you think that any of the laws are not being followed or your rights are not being protected or you're like not allowed to vote or you feel that you've been excluded from the ballot when you have a right to run, there is a way Georgia and every other state in the union has to decide if you're right. You go to court. You know, you bring an action. You sue. You sue the state. You sue and you say, look, I'm being discriminated against. And you go to a judge and, and they decide. And that happens all the time. I mean, all the time. Every election cycle and every year there are a bunch of lawsuits because people disagree on stuff. And those laws, this may sound like a dumb thing to say, those laws are mandatory. <laughs> They're not like optional. I will follow that law. We won't follow it. That's the whole thing about laws. Now, according to the state of Georgia... According to this indictment, and it's just one side of the argument, President Trump and a whole group of people decided that they were going to disregard or break a whole bunch of the laws that Georgia had around elections. And um, and that's what makes it similar to the D.C. case. But unlike the D.C. case, this is what's called a RICO case and RICO. I wrote it down because I always get it wrong. RICO stands for Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act. It started out being a federal law. Now every state, just about every state in the union has a RICO law, including New York, including New Jersey. And it's basically what, what RICO is, is it's a group of people. By the way, if you want to get in on this conversation, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Christian will put you up on the board. A group of people all doing different things, but all wanting to do one big thing in common. And in this case, the big thing was to overturn the legal election of Joe Biden in Georgia. So Donald Trump and uh, 18 other people are involved in this. And just so you understand how RICO works is that not everyone in the indictment has to be doing all of the elements. So in the case of the mob case, the boss doesn't have to be driving the getaway car. The boss doesn't have to be purchasing the gun. The boss doesn't have to be, um, you know, lying to the cops about it. 
But if everyone is all together doing different elements, they have all these different elements of the crime. If you do any two, you're part of the conspiracy under Georgia law. You're part of RICO. So I just want to make one thing very clear, and that is that Donald Trump and these 18 other people are not being charged because Donald Trump said he won the state. If that was the case, I mean, Donald Trump Jr. also said Trump won the state. He's not indicted. But you do hear a version of that defense, even from famous lawyers and former congressmen who really should know better. And, Ava, let's play cut one for an example of that. What Trump is essentially being charged with is contesting an election. I contested the election of 2000. I was one of the lawyers for the Palm Beach voters who contested the butterfly ballot. And the way you contest an election is you put up a slate of alternate electors. And then either Congress or the courts decide which slate to count. That's the appropriate way to do it. They are not fake electors. They're alternate electors. They're not fake electors. Of course they're not. The fake electors in the minds only of people who want to use that kind of word to, to uh, you know, color the situation. But uh, that's the way you challenge elections. And, you know, if you can prove specific perjury or specific forgery, okay, that's one thing. But what they seem to be charging here is just a replica of what's charged in the District of Columbia. So that that voice that you heard, that, I mean, this, by the way, this is why I agree with Curtis about having Professor Dershowitz on. Is it he he either does know better or should know better? Hillary, Al Gore, the example he used in the Palm Beach butterfly ballot case, Stacey Abrams, all kinds of people raise concerns, all kinds of people hire lawyers and bring lawsuits. But what if Alan Dershowitz, you know, he used the example of Palm Beach. What if after Alan Dershowitz lost that Palm Beach case? And the judge said, you lost the Palm Beach case. And instead, Alan Dershowitz forged the document saying that he won. What if he, mm, what, what's the thing? What if he solicited an elected official to violate his oath and to hold, you know, and, and to, and to do something? Those are crimes, Professor Dershowitz. What if after, well, has a better one. What if after Bush v. Gore was decided by the Supreme Court of the United States, Alan Dershowitz hatched a plan to have Al Gore as the vice president, the head of the Senate, announce that he had won anyway, and he's not going to count the Bush Electoral College vote. That's a fraud. That's a crime. And just so we're very clear, this whole aside that Peter King says there's no provision in Georgia law for alternate electors being chosen. That's not a thing. That's not the law. The law isn't just everyone comes up with a ballot with a group of their own. He's wrong about that. That's the way you solve this. No, you don't come up. There's no provision in state law. As a matter of fact, the document that the fake elector signed, I'm going to read you what it says. Quote, we, the undersigned, being duly elected and qualified electors for president and vice president of the United States of America from the state of Georgia, do hereby certify the following. They were not those things. They were not duly elected. They were not qualified electors. They were frauds. They were fake electors. And that's a crime. Impersonating an official, I think, is the crime there. 
I mean, Alan Dershowitz knows better. Peter King knows better. You can't just do stuff like that. But I will tell you this. Of the 19 people, some will plead guilty, I'm pretty sure, because some of them are dead to rights. Some people are in this conspiracy, breaking into a rural county and hacking into the computers and stealing data from the from the machine. Some people were intimidating innocent poll workers. They're, people are going to plead guilty. Some will go to trial, and some are going to be found guilty here. But you may be surprised to hear what I'm about to say next. I think Donald Trump may not be found guilty, because I think at least one juror will buy what I call the insanity defense. Now, Trump is not literally going to plead insanity. But that is sort of what his his lawyers may argue. No matter what anyone said to him or anyone did around him, he believed untrue things. He believed it. Is it a fraud when someone tries to sell you a car that they say can fly? Well, if someone kept hearing voices in their head about how amazing his flying car was and he tried to sell it to you, maybe not. And a lot of people are making a big to-do about the call with Secretary of State of Georgia where he said, I just want to find 11,780 votes. But that call was over an hour long. I read every word of it and I listened to almost all of it. Trump, over and over again in that call, again and again, is like repeats these wild stories. And over and over again, people from from um, Georgia, the officials that whose job this is, over and over again, say um, that he lost, that they were all false. I mean, look, it was close. It was two tenths of one percent. There were three recounts. One of them was a, a hand recount of 5 million votes. So he didn't know? All right. The facts didn't matter. Let, let's listen. You've heard a lot from, from, um, you've heard a lot of that famous tape where he says, where he says, um, I just need you to find, so uh, we don't need to play that one anymore. But let's play cut number four to give you a sense for how he was looking at this situation. Donald Trump, go ahead, Eva. Look, Brad, I got to get I have to find 12,000 votes and I have them times a lot. And therefore, I won the state. That's before we go to the next step, which is in the process of right now, you know. And I watched you this morning and you said, uh well, there was no criminality, but I, I mean, all of this stuff is, is very dangerous stuff. It's, when you talk about no criminality, I think it's very dangerous for you to say that. So Brad in that is Brad Rathersberger, the Republican Secretary of State, who earlier in that day, he Trump says earlier in that day, he said that there was no criminality. There was nothing. There was no fraud in the election. Trump says in that sentence that he saw him say it on TV earlier in the day. Trump says he knows the guy said no criminality and then that it's dangerous for him to say that. He, Trump is, it's not that he wasn't hearing it. It just wasn't getting in. 
I mean, this is why people – and also he talks about the 12,000 votes so much because he thought he won by hundreds of thousands. And after listening to this, I agree with Trump supporters about the context. The context here is not – he's not saying find me something. He believes he's won this. So this whole call, one by one, Trump is throwing out one conspiracy after another, and the Republican Secretary of State and his lawyers are saying, we looked into all of this and we found nothing. You lost, Mr. President. And over and over, he keeps hearing that. And I'm going to play you one final cut. This is at the one hour, one minute, and nine second mark. They have been doing this for an hour, telling him he's wrong about each and every one. And and cut seven is what he says to wrap up. They like you, you know, they like you. They can't believe what they found. They want more people like you. So, look, uh, can you get together tomorrow? And, Brad, we just want the truth. It's simple. And uh, and everyone's going to look very good if the truth comes out. It's okay. It takes a little while. But let the truth come out. And the, tr- the real truth is I won by 400,000 votes, at least. That's the real truth. But we don't need 400,000 votes. We need uh, less than 2,000 votes. This is at the end of the call. This is not at the beginning. He has been told. He's been told he lost over and over and every every one of his stories. He believes he won by 400,000 votes. Nothing gets through. The earth is flat. My car can fly. I won Georgia. And we'll be right back. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Welcome back to the middle. That is the Allman Brothers. We're going to be featuring music today by artists who call Georgia their home. By the way, I didn't say this at the top. You know what else we're going to talk about today? You know it was a bad week? Hunter Biden's had a bad, had a bad week. We're going to get, I got some Hunter Biden updates for you that, um, anyway, so that, that's basically why I think that Donald Trump might wind up actually getting you know, he just needs, well, he just needs a juror to say, you know what? I don't consider it a fraud if someone, now the problem is with the Rico statue and why that's a tough case to make is that they just have to find that he did any two of the things that they allege. And, and one of the reasons this indictment is so long is they list individual things that they did. And a lot of them were things that Trump did, for example, calling and, you know, elected officials and asking them to violate their oath and stuff like that. I don't – it's going to be hard. It, look, I, I think it's it's going to be a tough case for him to be, but I think there's a chance he prevails, but the people beneath him don't because the people beneath him have done much more concrete things 
And now here's what could happen, though. I said that some of them might plead guilty. Some of them might testify. We told, I mean, here's what the trial would be like. We told Donald Trump this. We told Donald Trump this. We told him he didn't listen to us. And then the jury will say, wait a minute. I don't believe he didn't believe it after all that. But you know, just tomorrow, uh, Monday, Donald Trump was planning on having a press conference with another crazy story about the Georgia election in 2020. So he's, and I think it's part of because he wants to double down with this jury to make clear that he, you know, that he um, believes this stuff. By the way, the sitting governor, when he heard that Donald Trump, this guy Brian Kemp, when he heard that Donald Trump was going to go do a press conference about Georgia again. By the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're talking about Donald Trump. We're going to get some calls, and then we're going to talk about Hunter Biden later, and a little bit about the Republican debate, which is coming up. Donald Trump won't be participating, but I've decided I'm going to go in his stead. So this is what Brian Kemp says. This is, quote, the 2020 election in Georgia was not stolen. For nearly three years now, anyone with the evidence of fraud has failed to come forward under oath and prove anything in a court of law. Our elections in Georgia are secure, accessible, and fair, and will continue to be as long as I am governor. So, a little, by the way, a little bit about the politics of Georgia here. Why would Kemp, this guy Brian Kemp, a conservative Republican, so forcefully smack down Donald Trump like that? He could have just been quiet. Or he could have done what these guys running for president are doing, kind of ducking and bobbing and weaving. Well, let's look what happened in this super close state of of Georgia. It's a swing state. All of these places, they were trying to overturn the elections. These are the swing states because they're close. And no one's close to the Georgia. It's the closest one in the whole country. After Trump tried to overturn the results there, do you think the people in Georgia were happy about that? I mean... Trump was unhappy that Kemp and Rathersberger, which is that guy who was on the call, defended their state's elections. So he ran primaries against those guys. Okay, Trump tried to get even. Kemp won his race against a former United States senator that Donald Trump endorsed. He beat him by 50 points. And then... That guy, Kemp, went on to beat Stacey Abrams, who was supposed to be a squeaker. He won in a landslide. He barely beat her four years earlier. That guy, Brad Raffensperger, he's the top vote-getter in the state. He won his primary. He's the top vote-getter in the state now. He's probably going to be elevated to governor. Smacking down false claims made against your state's elections is really popular in Georgia. And I keep hearing people say this. I hear Sid say it in the morning sometimes. I think I'm going to be on with him on Tuesday morning. Every time Trump gets indicted, it makes him more popular. Really? Not in Georgia. Or based on the votes since since then, any of the swing states where he tried to overturn the election. Just ask Carrie Lake, who lost the Senate race running on election denial. But Donald Trump, all he has to say, I, I really believed it. I really believed it. Actually, Carrie Lake was on with, with the aforementioned Sid this week. And she said something that may get her called as a witness in this Georgia case. Take a listen to cut three. But he's got a lot of common sense and he's a good listener. I think she had a little bit after that, but yeah, she's a good listener. He actually, she says a little bit more after that. She says he's a good listener and, 
and he takes stuff in. Oh, yeah? Okay. If you're such a good listener, let's call her on the stand. Really? You think Donald Trump's a good listener? <laughs> I have permission to treat them. The witness is hostile. So let's take some calls about this. And if you have questions also about about what's in the indictment, I did plow through it. I read all of it. It's a much bigger, denser thing. But I have to tell you something. The politics of this are really bad for the Republican Party. And I, I maybe you guys can let me in on this a little bit. Donald Trump, is he won by 0.2%. He lost by 0.2% last time. Everything he has done has made has made him less popular in the state. Everyone who stands up to 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 Donald Trump in the state gets more and more popular. He needed to figure out a way to and by the way, the Democrats won after after the election, they won the two Senate seats. Now, you know, the Republicans can't afford to alienate all of these swing states and that's exactly what they're doing. So let's get some calls here. Uh let's start with Adam and Mineola. Hey Adam, welcome aboard. How you doing today, sir? Hi, Adam. You know, you I know you keep talking about Trump. Can you talk about the other co defendants, the the you know, the other two that's indicted with him? Because you say a jury might let Trump off, but do you think all those guys are gonna get off? Sir? Well, here's the way it works. Thank you for calling on him. Here's the way it works. Different people had different roles in this, some bigger, some smaller. For example, there's one person that went to a poll watcher, a poll worker's house and tried to intimidate her into lying about the election. That's a crime. You can't go look up poll workers and, and intimidate them. But that was a very narrow thing. There's other people in this conspiracy who went to this rural county in Georgia and stole data off of the off of the election machines. It's funny. The Republicans accused the the Dominion voting, it turned out that they were actually hacking into Dominion. She seemed to try trying to prove something wrong. But then there are other people at the other end of the continuum at the that are some of the first names listed that lied when they testified before the Georgia legislature, which you're not allowed to do. Who there are some there's like one of the things is here's a perfect example of why RICO is used. One of the things they use is evidence of, of violation of the RICO statute. I think I have the number here, I think it's seven seventy was someone reserved a room in the Capitol for the fake electors to meet. Okay? That act, you can reserve a room in the Capitol. That's not a crime. But if you reserve a room in the Capitol as part of a big plan to seat fake electors, that's one of, you only need two of those things and you go to, that you're going to be guilty. So there's all kinds of different elements. That's what RICO is about. Again, to use the bank robber analogy that you don't all have to be doing the same thing or even know what other people in the thing are doing. So long as you're all, as an organization, working for the same outcome. By the way, for people who say, oh, this was meant for, this was meant for mob. Yeah, it's been used for everything under the sun ever since bringing down financial crimes, electoral crimes, all kinds of things. So the idea, oh, my God, this has never been done before. It's done all the time. Next, let's go to Sal on Staten Island. Hey, Sal, welcome back. Hey, Anthony Weiner. By the way, the Sal. Is this. Sal, let me, before the you start. Here, before you start, Sal, last week you said I called you Sal from Long Island. I went back and looked at the, listened to the tape. I said Sal from Staten Island. No, no, no. Anyway, look, the bottom line is this. Let's not waste time. Most of the people, such as yourself and the media, waste time. You should be using your effort to help people. And the bottom line is there's a scum who killed a cop who's going to get out next week 
unless you, Anthony Weiner, use your power with Kathy Horam Holcomb and get her to stop the parole board from paroling Cobb, who was one of the four creeps who killed Officer Byrne in February 1988. And a cop named Rotola was executed in 1985, and his wife is petitioning the parole board from stopping. That's what you should be on the on well, the. I, I, I appreciate it, Sal. Let me do a little, a little reading on that. I'll bring it to the show next week. Next, let's go to Richard in Midland, Texas. Go, Richard. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you for calling. Just so you know, so I could be on the air today and uh, listen to your show. My wife and I ate some Mexican food earlier today than we usually do. Excellent. I think it's important, and I think you're doing a great job. The only uh, advice quickly that I have for you, and I want to get to Trump, is just remember, you will be very popular with this crowd that listens to WABC and the conservative base, but don't act like a a Democrat and take their positions. If you really, truly believe in something and it's liberal or whatever it is, then we will all have respect for you. And that's what I want to say. About what that. you do, you, you sense that I am I'm, I'm nerfing my attacks. I'm like not being authentic. I, I think I'm I, I get accused of the other thing getting a lot better, to be honest with you. I notice a difference where I maybe see. you were taking. And, you know, I think here sometimes you could be scared. You don't want to piss off your Democrats. No, here, that's not it. Here's, as Richard, I'm going to let you make you make your point. I'm not going to cut you off. But here's really, when you're doing a show called The Middle, what I do is I always look for any opportunity I can to show that I'm trying to be fair. That's why I do so much Hunter Biden stuff, because I try to, I try to do the, and that's why today, when I, I went and I read the entire Rathersberger conversation with Donald Trump, and I didn't find it as compelling as a lot of people did. But I do look for opportunities to show that I am part of the middle. But I, I appreciate your critique, Richard. Go ahead. What did you call about today? You're going to be very popular if you do what you just said, and people will respect your opinion. But let's get to Trump, and it's really important here. Uh, what's going – we can – it's really – it's about mostly all the indictments. But let's – since we've been talking more about Georgia, let's talk about Georgia. You would have to believe that the preeminent – professor at Harvard University teaching law for 50 years, and Turley, who, again, both Democrats, teaching at Georgetown University, basically are teaching lies to the students. And let's be honest here. Uh, Dershowitz, Turley, again, if we want to be specific, think what's going on in Georgia is a bunch of political BS. And to believe them and thinking they're not telling the truth and being honest and know the law probably as good as anybody in this country, you would then have to believe they're lying. And that's no, 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 no. Here's what I look. Look, if I'm going to if I am going to question their motivations, it seems the most transparent motivation is both of them are make money supporting Trump. Well, that is absolutely. They're, they're making money supporting Trump. What's Alan Dershowitz's book called? But D- Dershowitz it's called is get, telling the, the It's truth. called Getting Trump. It's a whole book about how they're out to get Trump. Even the cut I played earlier, you know, I'm going to play it again when you Even the cut I played earlier, he says something that is a matter of fact, not true. It's a fact. It's not, Jonathan Turley used to be a reasonable center guy. A lot of... Look, if you want to be on the air on Fox News and WABC and you're a constitutional and you're selling a book called Get Trump, yeah, you say that they're trying to get Trump. It's the business model. Why is that so hard for, for, for why is that so hard for Richard to believe? And thank you for calling, Richard. You always, you always, you give me a lot to think about. 
Why do you think it's so hard to believe that someone writes a book saying they're out to get Donald Trump that he's going to want to find that they're out to get Donald Trump? They're not going to put him on the radio seven times on ABC and every two minutes on 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 OAN. If if he goes on and, and says anything else, they just won't have him on. I mean, where is it? Actually, you know, let's just just for Richard's benefit. Let's play. Uh, what was that? Uh, it's it's cut one. Let's just play one more time. What Trump is essentially being charged with is contesting an election. I contested the election of 2000. I was one of the lawyers for the Palm Beach voters who contested the butterfly ballot. And the way you contest an election is you put up a slate of alternate electors. No, no. Stop right there. Stop right there. There is no provision in the Georgia state law for putting up a state of alternate electors. Now, that is a fact. A fact. It's been reiterated by Roethlisberger. It's been reiterated by Kemp. You can go look it up. I did. It is a fact. That is not a thing. You can't just simply say, because in order to put up a slate of electors, here's what you have to attest to. They all signed a document that said, stand by, Mission Control. They all signed a document and submitted a document that says, we the underside being duly elected and qualified electors for president and vice president of the United States do hereby certify the following. And then they certified that Donald Trump won the state. There's no provision of Georgia state law that says, come up with your own list anytime you want. Now, does Professor Dershowitz legitimately not know that it could be? Could be. I think he does. I do. I, I think that he knows better. I know. I've met the man a couple of times, a few times. I like him a lot. He's been very kind to me. But when his book is, I, I think that's his book. His book is called Get, they're getting Trump or hunting Trump or something like that. So he says stuff like that. I think it's an insult to you, the listener. And I, to say something as a matter of fact that it's not. Next, let's go to Joanne in Westchester. Hey, Joanne, thank you for joining us. Uh, yes, hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, Good, very good. Uh, I, I just got totally have to agree with you, uh, disagree rather, about Trump. Um, I, I, let, me, let me ask you the main question. You just heard Monica Crowley before you. I'm sure you heard her. She's 10 minutes before you came on. What did you think of that very intelligent woman that is just pro-Trump all the way? And, and then others like Mark Levin, who to me is, I know you say, Anthony, that you're not an attorney. You t- you've said that rather. And um, uh, the way you talk and the way you carry yourself, I think you could be, although I don't like the, the Democrat side. You know, Craddock But Joanne, Joanne before, before you move forward, I, I did not, Monica Crowley's not on before. Oh, m- maybe where you listen it is, but, but no, I, I didn't hear. What did Monica Crowley have to say? Oh, okay, because she's from the station, and she, she was a guest of um, uh, let's see, the former before you, the guy. Oh, she was. Oh, she was on John's off. show. I missed John's show. No. Oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah, John... Just before you go. Oh, she was on oh, with I'm Steve Moore. Oh, I am really sorry yeah. about that. I usually listen to Steve Moore's show, uh, um, uh, front to back. What did she have to say? Oh, oh, and wait. Speak, I'm sorry. Speaking of that, this is very important to me. Um, uh, what's his name? Masterino. He's not on anymore at three at four o'clock. He he is he is not. Um, now it's me. I go from two to four, and then Curtis Lee when I go from four to five. But we have to. We're, we're bumping up against a break. So tell me what it is that Mar- Mar- uh, Monica Crowley, or more importantly, Monica, what she, well, or more importantly, Monica, what Joanne in Westchester thinks. 
Well, I'm just saying I totally agree with her. I agree with the top lawyer to me of all time is uh, Mark Levin. I just think he's one of the brightest people, actually, that uh, I know and uh, that most people know, I I would think. Um, I don't live in a small sheltered world for sure. Ben Shapiro. And I was going to say uh, Jesuits, but I didn't know that uh, that could be nonsense what he does say. He always says that he's not a Trumper, a supporter. Um, but that he does, um, you know, he does what he has to do, but he does believe, in fact, that a lot of things went wrong for Trump and that he wouldn't even vote for Trump. We know that. Look, we well, I, I listen, I mean, look, I don't want to get too, too deep in what people's motivations are. But when you have a circumstance like this where it really does cry out for lawyers to kind of explain legal stuff, to wave it away and say, oh, they're just out to get him, they – is a group of citizens in Florida. They who reported up indictments in the documents case. They is a group of citizens in the District of Columbia who reported up the indictment in the January 6th case. They are a group of citizens in the state of Georgia who reported up that case. And the, the, the they produce documents called indictments that have very, very serious allegations in them with actual words and actual legal statutes and everything else. We could really use lawyers right now to help us understand what these things are. Now, I don't believe that everything that the state says about a case we should accept as gospel. I know they said things about me that were not bad, and that's why we have a jury system. That's why you have a trial. But when people who are lawyers like Turley and Dershowitz and these other guys come on and say – Oh, they're prosecuting him for contesting the election. No, they're not. They're saying you can go ahead and contest the election. They're prosecuting. The election was over. The recounts were over. The court cases were over. The certification had been done. The lawful certification, it was an effort to overturn that by extra legal means. That's called a crime. So you can say, Okay, here, like I did. Well, he might not have known it was a crime, or he might not have believed that the facts he was. That could be. Could be. I think it's a very hard case to make, and there are going to be prosecutors on the other side who are going to present memo after memo and witness after witness saying, we told Donald Trump, including that call, that Rathersberger call, that are going to be played for the jury and said, if you heard this over and over and over again, him being told that these there was no fraud, that the count was the count, and that he lost the election. Do you think it's reasonable that he still believed that he won it? And a jury could say, we don't think that's reasonable. We don't believe you. We believe that you just committed a crime. I didn't know it was a crime to, to break into that bank or whatever it is. I mean, that's my beef with these lawyers on the radio and on TV. Is they know better. They can really be doing a great service. But John, I didn't hear what Levin had to say. I didn't know what Levin was a lawyer. I didn't hear what Levin had to say. Well, let's, I mean, part of what I would like to, and, that, and by the way, I do believe after listening to that Raffensperger interview, uh, conversation, being a fly on the wall for one hour, one minute, and like 12 seconds, I do believe listening to that, listening to a guy who didn't think he was being recorded or whatever it is, didn't say it for public consumption, this is a guy who over, the president, over and over again being told specific things he said, no, we looked into that, Mr. President, that's not true. Or we looked into, you know, we investigated this, or we did a, a recount of 5 million votes by hand, and the count is correct. I still believe that even at the end of that whole conversation, he comes back and says, I won by 400,000 votes. 
And then he says other crazy things. He says, he says at the very beginning of the conversation, I had the biggest rallies ever in Georgia. I know why I lost. Like he really believes the size of, of the people that show up at your rallies determines who wins elections. What? You can't at your, you are the president of the United States. That's the, you really think that, that that's what we should use. No, we have elections. <laughs> we count. Anyway, we have a few more calls. Then, then it looks like we're going to take this to the top of the hour. And then the second hour, I'm going to give you some Hunter Biden stuff because we found out some of it. We're, we're learning more and more about the truth about his dealings. Some people are, are going to think, well, there's more there, there, but, um, he was interviewed from the bench by this judge that threw out the plea deal. And he said some things about his money that had not been public before, and I'm going to review those with you. When we come back, this is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. So welcome back, R.E.M., another band from Georgia, bringing us back in. We're talking about the Georgia election case. At the top of the hour, we're going to switch over and do a little Hunter Biden, also a little debate preview when maybe some callers can call in and say how they think the Republicans are going to win this election if the strategy is to basically not speak honestly about some of this election fraud stuff. Like you're basically antagonizing all of these swing state voters who are afraid they're they're going to be next in terms of trying to overturn these this election. Uh, let's go back to the phones for a few more minutes to the top of the hour. First, let's go to Phil on Long Island. Hey, Phil, welcome aboard. Hey, how you doing, Anthony? I'm well, uh, Phil. Thank you. Anthony, my, my question for you is, uh, with, with all this voter fraud stuff that th- there's claimed to be, uh, mass media, all you heard was there was no evidence of mass fraud. Bill Barr said that, no evidence of mass fraud. Uh, and even just recently, uh, Peter King and uh, – um, Bill O'Reilly had said, oh, sure, there was fraud, but there was no mass fraud. So my question is, what's the benchmark for mass fraud and who gets to make that decision? Well, that's an easy question. Who gets to make the decision is the courts get to decide. If you're you're a candidate for office and you think that there was fraud, you go in with the evidence of fraud and then uh, witnesses are brought in and one side says one thing, the other side, and then a court rules on it. It happens all the time. Now, an example in this case, in the um, in in the case here, is that Donald Trump said in said five thousand people had voted when they were dead. So, Rathersberger in Georgia, because they run elections, they do it every single year. They went back and checked, and it turned out that there were two people 
who actually did that cast votes. Yeah, that's bad. You shouldn't have to. That's you should not not two is bad. But that was not a uh, uh, an amount of fraud that would have changed the election to even come close to changing the election. Um, Donald Trump was saying all over the place that there are out of state voters, thousands of out of state voters. And it turned out that when they went back and looked at where those people lived, they had moved back into Georgia and had voted legally, uh, all of them. So it's not a matter of, of like, OK, are, is every election 100 percent perfect? No, there are. I'm sure from from time to time, I'm sure that there are. The question is, is it is it have an impact on the outcome of the election? And in order to be that, you not only have to find something happened, which happens, You've got to show that it adversely impacted your candidacy and the amount of matter. So I'll give you an example. By the way, every single year in every election, thousands of court cases are brought about the results. So when I was elected in 1991, a guy named Mike Garson, I won by a couple hundred votes. I wasn't expected to win. A guy named Mike Garson was who thought he was going to win. They drew the district for him. I beat him by a few hundred votes. And he brought us a lawsuit in New York State, and he said that one of the polling places was changed from a public school to a church and that Orthodox Jews are not allowed to go into a church, and there were some Orthodox Jews who lived in that voting district. So he went in, and I had to hire lawyer, and, they, and they, the Board of Elections had to come in and everything else, and they had a trial over this. And eventually the judge said, while it, you know, probably was not a great idea to do it there, there wasn't any sign that this harmed him any more than it harmed me. And that statistically speaking, to make up the difference in the election, they'd have to have five times the number of people who actually voted there. They would have had to all vote for this guy, Mike Garson. So they said he, the guy, the guy said the election stands. We think it was a fair election. So it's not like lawsuits don't happen. It's not like judges. There were dozens in, in, in Georgia. They were in Arkansas. They were uh, in Arizona, rather. They were in Wisconsin. They were in Pennsylvania. You know how many times one of these allegations by Donald Trump turned out to be true in terms of fraud or or stolen election? Zero. That's why they went to the stealing part, because if they would have won it in court, like Alan Dershowitz said early, then you win it in court. They lost that. And once you lose cases in court, you don't get to go back and try some extra like optional new law that you're going to try. And that's why when the guy who wrote the memo laying this whole thing out, the the lawyer who laid this whole thing out, he says we're going to do some minor violations of the law. (laughs) That's not the way it works. Not minor. There's not minor violations when you're stealing an election. Well, listen, I mean, but I I, I think a lot of the callers are missing the thing I said is I think that Donald Trump believes some of this stuff. And that that bedrock belief that he has might be enough to persuade jurors. I don't know. If I'm selling you a flying car and I really think it can fly if I committed fraud when I do it. In the next hour, we're going to do a little Hunter Biden. We're going to do some debate preview on the Republican side. And then at 4 o'clock, Curtis Lewa comes in to talk about his life behind bars. He got arrested this week. What's going on with with, with Eric Adams? Also, what they're doing in Martha's Vineyard in Israel when we have some challenges here in New York. I say let the guy take a vacation. Some people think he's been on vacation for a couple of years now, Eric Adams. But that's it at uh, 4 o'clock for the next hour, another hour of the middle. It's great to have you along, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. The arms up to the sky.
This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio, WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Excuse me, ma'am, can you help me? I need to play some ad with you today. All right. You know, usually I like to let music play a little bit. I am. This is Alan Jackson. Tomorrow may be too late. It's a lovely song. Don't get me wrong. He's from Georgia. We're letting musicians from Georgia bring us in and out of our conversation. And Alan Jackson is one of them. So welcome back to hour number two of The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Be here until 4 o'clock. Then Curtis Lee will comes in for Left versus Right. You can reach me on at Rep Weiner, R-E-P-W-E-A-N-E-R. Of course, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So Donald Trump was in the news for his legal challenges. I got to tell you, if you're Hunter Biden... A couple of interesting things happened. One, the one you may know about, but maybe you don't understand fully because I had to look it up myself. So the guy that was prosecuting Hunter Biden, he was the U.S. attorney in Delaware. When he went, he was started the investigation under Donald Trump. Donald Trump said, we're going to get this guy. This guy, Weiss, is the U.S. attorney in Delaware. They negotiate a plea bargain where he gets two misdemeanor tax charges, Hunter Biden, for not paying taxes in 2017 and 18. And a diversion agreement on the gun charge. He filed a false gun report saying that he had not used drugs when he did. Some people said that sentence, those three things were too light. Some people said, you know, people don't go to jail for not paying their taxes usually unless you really make some effort to hide it or run away or something like that. And the gun charge, people make mistakes on gun applications all the time. It's not unusual for someone to not be sentenced to prison for that, but to get a diversion or something like that. But maybe other people said the other way around. Other people said you got to make an example out of high-profile people. That was the plea bargain they came up with. He goes into plea and to to accept this deal, and the judge basically starts asking a whole bunch of questions. Is The primary question is, does this indemnify... Hunter Biden from further prosecution based on all these other things that they've been looking into, that the U.S. attorney has been looking into. Corrupt practices, not filing the proper forms, operating in a foreign country without whatever necessary things you need to do. I don't know what they are. Violation of lobbying laws, whatever it is. And believe it or not, these super high-powered lawyers from both the, pro- the Justice Department and Hunter Biden's side can't agree whether this really does say that, you know, that he's basically immune from prosecution going forward. So the whole deal breaks down. And what happens next? Well, what happens next, and we don't know, really know why, is this U.S. attorney goes into his boss, the 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 um, attorney general, and says, I want to be declared a special counsel. And once he asked for that, frankly, I don't think that Garland had any choice but to say, yes, they're literally investigating the president's family. This is why you have a special counsel law. Now, what does it mean to be a special counsel? 
It's three big things that are different from any other prosecution. One, you're under no day-to-day supervision by the Justice Department, meaning this guy Smith, who's prosecuting the president, President Trump, this guy Weiss, who's prosecuting President uh, um, Hunter Biden, no day-to-day supervision by the Justice Department. Two, if you make any charging decisions that are overruled by the the Attorney General, you have to, not you may, not you can do it if you want to, you have to report that to Congress. So if this guy wants to charge Hunter Biden with whatever, failing to file a, a, a form, a lobbying form that you're lobbying for a foreign country or something like that, which there's no evidence that he was, but if he wanted to do that. And Garland says, no, you can't do that. The Congress gets notified, and that's supposed to provide the kind of sunshine that means that that would never happen. And the third thing, and this might be the big thing, because this is the big thing that was the big thing in the Mueller report and the thing that was kind of the dud in the Durham report. You can do a report. Now, most prosecutors, you have a binary choice. You can charge someone or you can shut the heck up. And remember, Comey did neither. I mean, it didn't charge and he didn't shut the heck up. Well, that was a violation of all the practices and the, and the, and the rules of the Justice Department. But if you are a special counsel, you cannot get bupkis charging-wise, like Durham didn't charge or didn't convict anybody, but you can do a whole report about all the bad things that you that you think are in the world. So for Hunter Biden, I don't think it's going to lead to any big new charges. I think he's probably going to say, "Take me to take me to tr- to trial on the tax case." I'll I'll fight you on that. But all the other stuff that looks bad might be in a report now. That's not just you know the Republicans in Congress saying it. Now, I don't think that he did anything that was illegal. I think they would have come up with it by now because they've been looking at this case for five years. They know as much as I do. They know as much as Comer does. They know as much as Miranda Devine does. They would have come up with it by now. But an interesting thing happened when they knocked the case down, when they knocked the plea bargain down, the judge asked a whole bunch of questions of Hunter Biden about where his money was coming from, because so much of the controversy, you sometimes hear people on this radio station, billions of dollars of whatever it is. And so for the first time, on the record, under oath, it was laid out how much Hunter Biden made from all these different things. And I'm not going to wear you out with a lot of it, so I'm going to give you the basic, you know, the top-line stuff. Now, some of it happened while... Uh, Joe Biden was vice president. Really only one thing, that they flew to Beijing on Air Force Two, and 12 days later, we knew this, by the way, 12 days later, Hunter um, 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 joined the board of a company called BHR. Now, they said when that company was being formed, they wanted to raise $1.5 billion to invest. They never did. They didn't raise hardly, hardly raise very much at all. Later, Hunter Biden acquired 10% of the company that oversaw that company. It was mostly paperwork. And that was what happened while Hunter, while Joe Biden was the vice president. That was it. Okay. The rest of it happened when Joe Biden was a private citizen. And this is where Hunter was trading on his dad's name left and right. Hunter did a deal with a Chinese energy company. And over 14 months, $4.8 million was paid to entities, not to Hunter, entities that were controlled by Hunter and the president's brother, James. So that's $4.8 million. But now we know how much Hunter made in those deals because the judge 
asked him these questions. Now, remember, we already know that he failed to pay $100,000 in taxes in 17 and 18. So we know how much the taxes were, so you can back out some of it. In two point, in, in 2017, he made $2.4 million in income. Just under a million of it came from a company called Hudson West. In 2018, he made $2.2 million. When you look at where it came from, most of it came from Chinese and Ukrainian interests. Not billions, not tens of billions and whatever it is. So it's not a little. It's, it's a pretty, made a pretty good living trading on his dad's name. Now I just want to reiterate. There was no, yet there's been no evidence that Joe Biden got any of it. Joe Biden, I can say this, though, when he was asked the question in the debate in 2020, did your son do business in China? He said no, and the answer was yes, he did. So that was a lie. That Hunter Biden, that Joe Biden got wrong. So that's the latest Hunter Biden news that he could be in hot water. But the real problem is now this special counsel, we've all seen it. We saw Mueller go hog wild. We saw in Bill Clinton's days, and the law's a little different now, that the, the went kind of crazy. It could go anywhere. Now, I don't think they're going to find illegal stuff, but what they could find is stuff that even that looks really bad. So that's the latest on Hunter Biden. So let's get back to the calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We've got Hunter Biden, a little bit of Hunter Biden news, a lot of Donald Trump news. Let's go to Bobby in the Bronx. Hey, Bobby, go ahead. All right, Tony Hot Dog, Anthony you really come on the last year as a talk show host. I got to compliment you. Um, I always think trying somebody and convicting somebody over the airwaves is ridiculous. We don't have access to all the airwaves, and we know the political end of it. People are going to be biased either way. I mean, Hunter Biden knows his father eventually is going to pardon for everything on the federal level. So he's, he's, he, he rests easy at night. He's a millionaire. He's living good. That's why I try to emphasize to people, you know, try to live good because these people, whether it's Trump or the Bidens, they're all living big, high on the hog. But the country, Anthony, is becoming a left-wing country now. Look at what's coming in. There's un- unlimited immigration legally and illegally coming in. That's what the leftists want. The leftists also, the charges against Trump and everything, uh, all these different jurisdictions, Four different jurisdictions have brought up charges against them. I mean, you can make an argument that is like the RICO Act, and there's a criminal enterprise going on there because he's being indicted in all these But, Bobby, places. look, can I ask you something? If he if he has done the things that he's accused of, should he be held accountable? I believe everybody should be held accountable. But I also believe that also everybody should be account- held accountable inside this country on the federal level. I don't see that happening anymore. Uh, no, I, I know. I, I understand, Bobby. I, we, there's all kinds of other people. But the president of the United States, I think you and I can agree, and I believe this for Hunter, too. If you violated the law, you should be held accountable. And so all that we're, we're seeing is the legal system is working. Now, as far as Joe Biden was going to pardon Hunter, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't. It could, could be. I mean, I mean, it it. it it seems to be that would be very unpopular to do. I tell you, here's the bigger challenge. Now that this is going to go to trial, what if Hunter Biden goes to trial? And Donald Trump has already said uh, all kinds of places I'm going to get this guy, I'm going to throw this bum in jail. So and Donald Trump gets elected. I mean, if you're Hunter Biden, you want to get this thing wrapped up pretty quick. <laughs> and and these investigations could could go on for a while. The good news is, a lot of people made a big deal. They said, oh, you, you made the same guy the special counsel that just was investigating him. 
Well, yeah, you don't want someone going and starting fresh. Another five-year investigation will never get to the bottom of this stuff. I mean, that's what I think. Let's go to Scott in Queens. Hey, Scott, welcome aboard. Okay, uh, speaking of uh, bias in the media, left-wing bias in the media, before I get to my main comment, uh, anybody looking to find out what the relationships are between these different media corporations, Pick up a copy of Who Rules America. It's published by National Vanguard. Well, a lot of them, but Scott, a lot of them are publicly held companies. You may own them in in, in your four hundred one k. You know, let me let me address that. But first, let, let me just reiterate: it's Who Rules America. But by Scott, National Vanguard. Scott, Scott, I I, I don't, I'm not sure I want you coming on here and plugging the book. But tell tell me if who, what you think the bias is, and why do you think it's a left wing bias when Fox News is the most successful news outlet in the in the country. Okay, when you when you say that many of these companies are publicly owned to a certain extent, but I'll give you an example where that's not the case. Viacom, which owns National Amusements, uh, Paramount Pictures, etc., a whole variety of uh, CBS, MTV, etc. Viacom was 70% owned in terms of its class A common stock. Those are voting shares that vote for the directors on the board of directors and the company's officers, 70% of the publicly traded common stock that was uh, on the exchanges, whether NYSE, wherever it was trading, were owned personally by Sumner Redstone. Yeah, but what, they, 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 what percentage of Fox is owned by the Murdoch family? But hold on, hold on. So let me make my point. No, but, but I, I hear I hear the – listen, I'm not saying – you said who's the bias here? The I don't know. I'm sitting in you know in a in a radio station that's pretty right leaning, but they let voices come on no matter who wants to call up, and they let me have a couple hours every week, you know. But I I know that by and large the lineup has a certain perspective. That's the marketplace. That's what people want. That's what people are listening to. And Fox News does not suffer for lack of of listen. They're a giant corporation. And their newspapers are right wing. Their television properties are right wing. And all of the newest guys on the block, the OANs, the what are these guys who are across the street? The, um, what is the what's the other station called? The, whatever it is, these 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 the, the ones that are growing and the ones that are coming up on on uh, uh, they're popping up are right wing. I'm not sure I'm but uh, Newsmax. That's what I was thinking of. Thank you. I don't watch. I don't listen to the radio. Let's go to Jim in Westchester. Hey, Jim, thanks for waiting. We still have Jim? I left Jim waiting too long. Bob in New Jersey, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, hi, how are you doing? Uh, I'm a loyal listener of uh, 770. And I just want to make four quick points, and you can respond to whatever ones you want to respond to. Uh, I've just been driving here. Hold on a second. Well, keep, anyway, keep your eyes on the road, Bob. Yeah, well, I just pulled over. With 99% of the uh, votes counted, Rassenberg told Trump there was no way he was going to lose the election. Point one. Wait, wait, wait. What is that? What are you reading from? Uh, it's on, uh, if you want to check it out, you could check it out on Frank's speech. Mike Lindell's. Uh, yeah, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, that first thing didn't happen, but go ahead. Government, okay, government cameras don't lie. In Georgia, for six hours from 10.30 at night, when the sewer supposedly black, blocked up, 
They sent all the Republican people away. And four it didn't people- happen. Bob, that didn't happen. Raffensperger in this call responded to that, said that it didn't happen. Right. You can't just Bob, I, I hate to say this, Bob. I think you're reading the same stuff Donald Trump read. The, these things were all adjudicated. They were all investigated by people who were supporting Donald Trump. By the way, I want to say this one other thing. You know, there is this line that sometimes pops up, oh, the Democrats are out to get Donald Trump. These are political prosecutions. The witnesses against Donald Trump are not going to be Democrats. The people who have given evidence to the grand juries in all these cases are all Republicans. The people that are going to be testifying are the Republican Secretary of State in Georgia, the Republican governor in Georgia, the Republican head of the legislature in Arizona, the Republican vice president of the United States. There's not going to be a single Democrat anywhere near this case. Because these were all conspiracies that were targeting place. They were using they were they were going to to, you know, the, the head of the of the Arizona legislature is a Republican. The head of the Georgia legislature was a, was a Republican. These guys are all going to be called as witnesses. I mean, I'd be surprised if there was the entire Jan- the entire January 6th hearing, um, every single one of the witnesses saying what happened were all Republicans. It just doesn't add up that this is some kind of a political prosecution. These are people that supported the president and wanted him to win. But they also wanted something else. Remember, this guy Rathesberger in Georgia, you know what his job is? His job is running elections. You know who sued him? Stacey Abrams sued him. Stacey Abrams sued him because they said he was closing polling places to benefit Republicans. I happen to agree with that. He's the most conservative guy in the entire state of, of Georgia. It, I mean, yeah, and people have, have bad motivations, but... It's really hard to make this some kind of a, a partisan thing, but the, the, the previous caller was, is like all about the same kind of stuff that has been discredited over and over and over again. By the way, you can get this. I, I, I found the transcript of this call, an hour and six minutes. It's the president and a few of his lawyers throwing out the craziest things, and one by one, the Rathersberger and his lawyers saying, Here's we looked into that, and here's what we found. We looked into that, and here's what we found. That was adjudicated before a court, and here's what the court said. One by one. Before we go to a break, let's go to Chris in Portchester. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for calling. Hi, how you doing? Can you hear me? I can. Okay, you know I want to bring up a like a legal point. Okay, with the with the Trump um, investigation or charges, uh, I think there's a there's a broad thing in the law that says ignorance of the law is not an excuse for violating the law, correct? Well, up to a point. Well, the point is that... I mean, you you can't... There is a defense. What I'm told is that there is a defense. You can't say you're ignorant of the law, but if you're, for example, if you're holding a bag of cocaine and you really, really, really believe it's flour, that then that's a defense. You can use that defense in court. Yeah, well, you could plead temporary insanity, Okay. Uh, if you if you believe that, the you know, that an obvious violation of law was not a violation, you know, um, you know what I'm uh, I'm getting at? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you. I mean, 
I think that you – I mean, uh, by the way, I used that line. I, I thought I trademarked it. I think that's kind of a version of the insanity defense. But from what I understand, this whole question of mens rea, like your state of mind, is is an important element of proving a fraud or proving a conspiracy or proving your guilt of something. And so the example I heard one guy say on a podcast, it says, if you're holding a bag of cocaine and you really, really have reason to believe that it was flour, that's a defense. But you can't be holding a bag of campaign, of, of campaign, a bag of cocaine and say, I didn't know it was against the law to sell it. That you can't do. That you can't say, I just didn't know that that was, that that was the law. But remember, this is all about juries, right? It's all going to be, if you can convince a jury, that your state of mind was really, by the way, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you can really show that your state of mind was, I didn't think I was committing a fraud because I legitimately believed everything that I was doing was on the up and up, etc. That's the problem that Trump has. Even if he believes he won, he must have known what he was telling people to do was against the law. He could not have possibly thought that he can just tell the vice president to go and throw out the Electoral College votes, that that was legal. He had been told it wasn't. He read, he read a memo that said it wasn't. He couldn't have believed that, that that was the case. There was no one around him said, yeah, you're allowed to do that. Even the guy that suggested said that you, you, this, we really can't, we probably can't do this. And by the way, that lawyer is also under indictment. He's going to turn on the president and testify in court that, yeah, I told the president that you couldn't do this. I'm just a lawyer just throwing out theories. Anyway, 800-848-WEC, 800-848-9222. When we come back from the break, we're going to give you a little preview of the Republican debate. I want to hear what you all have to say about that. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. And coming up next, I'm going to pretend that I am a Republican candidate for President of the United States. You can do a lot worse than me, guys. You really can. We'll see you on the other side. You can't be sorry to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. And welcome back to the middle. That's the rest of the bell and another artist from Georgia, Mr. Wendell. And we're talking a little bit about the indictments and Dr. Biden. There is going to be a debate this week. Donald Trump said he's not going to it. My position has been he should debate, as should Joe Biden. You know, Donald Trump said, oh, I'm way ahead of these guys. Well, Joe Biden is way ahead of 
of RFK and Marion Williamson and these cats, I think he should debate too. You know, it's part of, we don't ask a lot from these campaigns. You know, we don't ask you to do all that much anymore. You're down to basically debating each other twice, maybe. The least you can do is show up every once in a while and let us see you in unscripted moments. Let's see how you deal with it. And yeah, RFK is, you know, a bit of a whack job, sure, but that's, sure, you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with that. And by the way, from the perspective of Joe Biden, every single moment that RFK opens his mouth, it's a good day for Joe Biden. You know, he does take a, he's, by the time this is done, he's not going to take a single vote away from, uh, from Biden. But the Republicans are having their, they're trying to figure out what to do with Donald Trump. And I can't for the life of me figure out what the can, I mean, I understand, you know, Christie's, I don't know, he's, he's auditioning for a job as a Democrat. But everyone else, you cannot have a front runner who's beating you by 50 points and your entire strategy is hope that the guy gets thrown in jail and somehow is not the candidate anymore. So they're going to keep saying nice things about him. I don't think that's the, I don't think you're showing very much. I mean, look how DeSantis is tying himself in knots. You know, he has done nothing but screw up. He's not a very good candidate. He doesn't seem to have authentic things to say. And, and very interesting, there's a, a great profile in the New Yorker this week of DeSantis. It's not very flattering, but a great profile. And it had an interesting little nugget that was in there. So DeSantis has been trying to figure out how do you go after Trump? And one of the things they wanted to go after him about was the COVID lockdowns. You know, that although the federal government didn't say you should lock down, you know, basically they they were Trump lockdowns. And they found in their little polling, their internal polling, and people think of polling as about who's winning and who's losing. When a candidate's doing a polling, they're testing messages. They're trying to figure out what collections of policies and words and ideas resonate. And so they tested this idea of of the lockdowns and that 70% of Republicans said that the lockdowns of 2020 were bad. Okay. That's, that's an interesting number. But if they change the language to Trump's COVID lockdowns, 70% of the same group thought they were good. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's what kind of a hold that Donald Trump seems to have on the party on on his on the on the Republican primary base and I've heard this said so many times that people don't see the question anymore yes he keeps going up among the Republicans when he gets these indictments but he's going down among real voters from the voters who are going to decide elections swing voters and everyone else we're getting close to 60 65% of people are saying they would never consider voting for Donald Trump because of all this stuff and so so DeSantis who you would think would have had all of this worked out long before he got into the race because it was the obvious question everyone's asking, is constantly flopping around trying to figure out who he is. He's against the war in Ukraine. Okay, I changed my mind. Now I guess I'm not. He's doing all this woke stuff, and then he realized what I predicted he would find, and that doesn't really animate voters. They don't know what exactly means and what woke. Well, you're the president of the United States. And then sometimes he just says things that are just batty, like this. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they, they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. Yeah. 
That guy's running for president of the United States. Did you hear that? What is he going to do? Okay, all right. They're going through the wall. That's his way of taking a run at Donald Trump's wall for, I don't know, through the wall. (laughs) And, okay, so he says they're going to use deadly force at the border. Exactly how does that look? So someone, how do you going to know, how do you know if he has fentanyl in his backpack? You got to look in the backpack and then you find fentanyl and then what do you do? Then you shoot him? Is that what the President of the United States thinks? Of course not. He's running for talk show host on some conservative radio station in Iowa or wherever they did that interview. Now, I don't think, I mean, look, here's what I, if I was the Republican candidate and I was talking about the Donald Trump stuff, I would say, I would say I respect the rights of individual states to come up with the laws. I believe in the Tenth Amendment. I believe that anything not expressly in the Constitution as a right of the federal government should be reserved for the states. And I believe part of that is running elections. And I, I being the candidate, I'm going to follow every one of those rules, and I'm going to win. I'm going to contest all 50 states, and I'm going to try to win all 50 states. And that's what I think. And I think that anyone who doesn't follow the rules or who tries to win, you know, whatever it is, by breaking the rules, it dishonors the people in those states, and I won't do that. Or something like that. Basically saying, I'm going to trust the states to run elections. And if they, and he, he has to take a run at New York because he knows he's not going to win New York, fine. He takes a run at New York or say something like, uh, you know, un- undocumented people shouldn't get a chance to vote, which of course then they, they won't in a presidential election. It's a violation of the law. But this whole, I think it's unfair that they're prosecuting Donald Trump. Why are you even running for president? If you're not prepared to step up and take a run at, at, at the front runner, why are you even in the race? So I think you're going to see that kind of on, on display when they have the debate this week, since Trump's not going to be there. You're going to have them trying to figure out how they talk about the guy who's not there. But I get, if I'm a Republican, I am nervous as heck about the state of the party right now. You seem to be barreling headfirst into Donald Trump being the nominee, which I think he's going to be. And then what? What is the message to the, to the, to the people who are watching these, these, these trials, who are hearing again and again that the guy doesn't believe in reality, that now over 70% of Americans believe that they're, that the elections were free and fair and that, you know, 70% is basically everybody when you, we don't agree on anything that much. And then by the time this all gets resolved, it's too late at that point. If he wins, if he's the nominee. And I don't know Joe Biden is no great shakes, but probably the only one he can beat on the Republican side is Donald Trump. So I'd love to know what Republicans are thinking. I, and everyone I talk to privately, they say the same thing. They say, it's not that we're stuck. We're stuck. I guess that's right. I guess to some degree you are. Anyway, let's go to Anthony on Long Island. Hey, Anthony, welcome aboard. All right, Anthony, and I like that name. Uh, first of all, with this presidential Republican debate coming up, uh, they might as well just throw banana cream pies at each other because they will not talk the biggest issues of the day. They will not talk about race quotas, the 65 Immigration Act, 
communist China bringing a virus into America, killing a million Americans. They protect the Chinese communists because they are the business partners with the establishment. They, they will not really talk about deportations. They only talk about is where they're going to put the illegal aliens. I hear people on your, it's like a chorus now on your station, put them on Rikers Island. The illegals. No, they're not going to put them there because they want them in the workforce now. They want them to knock down our wages. They want them in the neighborhoods. They want to change the neighborhoods forever and change America. That's what they will not be talking about. Race quotas is a big thing. There's a lot of people in this country who have been discriminated for years because they lost jobs, contracts, college entrances into that. And don't tell me about the Supreme Court ruling because they get around it. They get around it in Texas the way they do it. They do well, it but all- Anthony, Anthony, I do think that, and I appreciate the call, but I do think, Anthony, that the prevailing winds in the Republican primary are very, very conservative. I, I don't think that, I think that people are going to talk about about the the China flu and they are going to talk about how immigration is crushing our country. They are going to say that thing. Now, you could make the argument that when rubber hits the road and they're in, you know, I say this all the time, the Republicans are control the House of Representatives right now. How come they're not passing any laws on, on dealing with I- this immigration problem? Because it's a really hard problem. And a lot of Republican businesses and a lot of people are saying, well, look, we need this for the economy. Uh, but I don't think I don't think the debate is where you're going to find them. I think they're going to have a tough time in the general election making that case. But I think that when it comes to the debate, they are going to be t- taking that kind of kind of hard right perspective let's go to jim in westchester hey jim welcome aboard hey uh do you hear me anthony i do jim how do i sound to you hey yeah you sound great i i love your show it makes me crazy (laughs) (laughs) um um so a couple things on on you know uh, election fraud you know because the vote is really uh the most important thing that uh a free society has so uh, Georgia, Georgia, you know, the main venue for voting uh, was brought to uh, Rudy Giuliani's attention with video proof of uncovering a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of ballots. So Pennsylvania uh, had changed. But their, Jim, but their Jim, voting. Jim, Jim, before you go off of Georgia, what did you say that that uh, because. Because they they looked into all of, Ru- all of Rudy Giuliani's claims and they turned out not to be true. So what what, what do you still think happened there? Oh yeah, so Rudy Giuliani's claims have not been. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I I gotta tell you, I would love to have a WWF, you know, bout Royal Rumble with you and Rudy Giuliani because you you know I I, I believe Rudy Giuliani. But anyway, let's move on to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania had changed the the voting laws uh, midstream in 2020. Yeah, you know, a, all a the, lot of but Jim, Jim, 20- Jim, a lot of people changed the laws during COVID. A lot of rules were changed because people were more inclined to vote remotely. A lot of rules were changed. That's the law. Now, if you don't like the law, you can. Or if you don't want to change the law, you have many ways to fight against it. You can go into your legislature and say, vote no on that. And then when they change the law, it becomes the law. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean you can violate it. You can uh, you can argue about the constitutionality of it, which they did, and the constitutionality of it was upheld. The whole issue here, it just I want to make sure everyone understands this distinction. 
making a legal challenge against the, the 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 propriety of the vote is not what anyone is accused. That's that's not a problem. That's not a violation of the law. No one's going to get indicted for doing that. You're allowed to challenge. The, you're allowed to bring suits. You're allowed to testify in court. You're allowed to bring whatever theory you want. You bring them to a court, and once the court decides no, you lost the election. You cannot try to subvert that. That's what courts do. They they interpret laws. Let's go to Rich in New Jersey. Hey, Rich, thank you for joining us. Yes, uh, I'd like to say first that you do a wonderful job of bringing people to the middle. And I'd like to suggest that Biden won the election in 2020, but only because the Democratic Committee invested huge money in getting out the door-to-door vote. Alone, uh, if Mark Zuckerberg gave his $400 million, that can get several thousand staffers out there going door-to-door two to three months early, you know, getting early signatures. And I think that was never anticipated in history that such huge infusion of capital to help get the door-to-door vote. And I believe those Democrats would have otherwise stayed home. I believe that they're somewhat apathetic on Biden. Well, so well but let me just like- be I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but let me just do it on that point. I know that it was a very high turnout election because that a lot of people took advantage of mail in voting, which is easier. You don't have to get up off your butt and go walk down to the polling place because that was available to them in the unique circumstances of the post covid day. But on the other hand. Remember, every t- everywhere you turned around, it was Donald Trump calling questions about the, the mail-in vote, and that probably depressed his own vote also. But what else do you have to say, Rich? Yes, and also that culturally, the, the, should there be a limit on how much out-of-state actors can pour money into, say, those six states, as did happen? So if, if a California resident like Zuckerberg, he puts all that money into six states which he never was associated with, should there should there be some kind of limit? Because in the future, if Elon Musk wants to pour three billion dollars into this coming vote, you see. So no, I. I but Rich, not, you've Rich, you've and I've talked about this on the show before. Thank you very much. For calling. Look, I have talked about this before that the flood of money. I mean, we hear people come out the Soros back prosecutors and the guy that the billionaire, the billionaire that's that's got. Supreme Court justices in his back pocket. And you mentioned Zuckerberg and, 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 um, and Musk, who's a, who's a conservative, who's, who's, who's turned, um, X into a place that, that favors, um, conservatives and whatnot. Yeah. Guys who have money have disproportionate influence. Now, here's the one thing I would say though on that is that nowadays when people are so animated by politics and so partisan, I don't really think you have to do a lot to convince people. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, you know, uh, some people have said, oh, if only more people knew about the Hunter Biden laptop before they went to the polls. You know what? By the time October came in around, no one was undecided anymore. They hated Donald Trump. They hated Joe Biden. Uh, they hated Hillary Clinton in 2016. I mean, I just think that that nowadays this whole notion of get out the vote and the influence of money. There's still too much money in politics. But I'm not sure how much it really matters anymore because so people are so animated to come out. Do you really need if you had another fifteen pieces of mail or some other fifteen TV commercials, do you really think it would change that much the way people vote? I sure don't. I sure don't. 
go to Kelly in New Jersey. Hey, Kelly, thanks for joining us. Oh, hi, Anthony. Um, I called for wanted to make two points. Um, one was about Hunter Biden. You had mentioned earlier about you. Is this Tony? At, this is Kelly. Oh, Kelly, I thought that you sent so much like Tony in New Jersey. But go ahead in Clifton Hills. Yes, I uh, apologize. Um, that's fine. You had mentioned that you, um, Hunter Biden, you know, nobody gets arrested for uh, tax evasion. You brushed by the fact that he applied for a gun permit. He was a drug addict. He lied. Um, intentionally, he knew what he was doing. And then right. I, at some point, I think they said he threw the gun away. And for Democrats who are so worried about gun control, he's throwing the gun away in the garbage. No, I, I actually mentioned it. I said that he was given a diversion agreement around um, um, filling out the gun, the gun application wrong. Now, I did. It's a little harder to get statistics on how many people go to prison for not paying their taxes. Very, very, very few people go to prison for, for uh, filling out a gun, a gun permit application wrong. Very few people do. So that point. OK. But the other point when you're talking about um, election where, you know, uh, the getting out the vote and stuff like that, I'm living in New Jersey. And during the presidential election, they were stirring up a lot of emotion and everybody was like, we want to go vote in person. We want to go vote in person. And people were defaming their their uh, mail in ballot, which is you should not do. I used to work the polls. And if you want to go and vote in person and they were telling you you couldn't, I went and voted in person and I brought my mail-in ballot to my uh, voting. Uh, you know, you have to go to the uh, clerk. Right. But what they were doing in New Jersey is they were saying, oh, you can't vote in person. And then people were defaming their mail-in ballot. And then when they went and voted in person, they had to vote a provisional ballot. And when you vote a provisional ballot anytime, that ballot is allowed to be scrutinized. And I'm still trying to find out because I was told that after the whole election, Murphy decided that provisional ballots were not a lot going to be counted. So, so here, here's and again, it's different in every state. I appreciate Kelly. Look, what you're talking about is that each state has different rules. In New York state, if you show up and you want to cast a vote and they, for some reason, can't find you in the book or there's a disagreement on whether or not you live in a particular district, you can fill out something called a provisional ballot. And the reason it's called that is it gets counted provided that it gets provided it turns out to be legal. So, for example, if you say, I legally have a right to be at this polling place and voting in this primary, and they say you're not in the books or you're not in the database, you get that provisional ballot, and then later on a judge or an election official will say, uh, well, it turned out that yes, Kelly and did, did indeed live in that district. But the point I want to keep everyone's eyes on is that all of these rules are very common in the different states and people do have disagreements about it. I had a call last week from a woman who said that, that she showed up to vote and they wouldn't let her. And I'm pretty convinced the reason they wouldn't let her is she was in the Republican party and she showed up when there wasn't a primary. But whatever it is, there are all kinds of ways. And at the end of the day, if you have a race that comes down to a couple of votes, there's lawsuits after lawsuits after lawsuits, and finally a judge says, here's how we're going to count it, and here's what we're going to come up with. What is being alleged against Donald Trump, both in the January 6th case in front of Smith and the case in in Georgia, is that once all those things had been resolved and the court cases had been resolved and we're just about, about basically doing the pro forma of having Mike Pence open up the thing, that they hatched this plan to come up with fake electors – to try to have them seated, to try to, to using the Justice Department to create false documents and to make out, to try to get people to violate their oath, 
to basically lie, to commit perjury, to, to file false, false, um, um, statements. And it was all about after all the court cases had been done. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You don't get to, once the, the cases have been adjudicated through the normal process, we only have one way to do it here in the United States of America. Our system of fact finding, our system of, of interpreting the law is the worst in the world except compared to every other system. I mean, it's, it's not perfect, but I'd say I've been through a lot of elections in my day. There is no scenario, there is no thing that comes out that some election lawyer doesn't, hasn't seen before. And there's no doubt 2020, it was an unusual year. And that some places changed their laws and some places got sued for doing that. And some places went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, no, states can do these things. You can come up with rules. And once those lawsuits happen, 37 of them, 38 of them, you can go to, there's a website called Lost Not Stolen. It's like 15 conservative Republican lawyers who look at every single case that Donald Trump brought and showed the results of them. They lost all of them because the election was not stolen. Donald Trump, I mean, Donald Trump lost. It wasn't even all that close. Close in some states, but it wasn't all that close. Lost four, five, six million votes. He did, you know, wasn't that close. And some of it was his own doing. He's out there all over the place saying you can't trust paper ballots. And then he wonders why Republicans didn't vote. So we have a few more minutes to wrap up at four o'clock. Curtis Lee comes in for left versus right. We have a lot to talk about there. Migrant crisis is getting worse. Curtis is here between times appearing for desk appearance tickets. I'm, I'm hoping he gets prosecuted. I just want to watch the trial. I will represent. I got an idea. I will represent him. I will show that I can argue any side. I can that even the most the most downtrodden despot deserves to have a good Jewish lawyer from Brooklyn. Although I'm no longer from Brooklyn, I'm no longer a lawyer. It's Anthony Weiner. It's the middle. We'll see you on the other side. Has tried to warn us about our ways, but we don't hear him talk. Is it his fault when we've gone too far and we got too far? Cause of him we've walked. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Collective Soul, another Georgia act, bring us in. We've been doing Georgia today because of the indictments in Georgia. Ava on the board. Christian taking your calls. Kevin supervising things. Great to have you along. We'll be here for another few minutes at 4 o'clock. Curtis Lee comes in for left versus right. The middle is now two hours every week. I'm really grateful for that. And we've been taking uh, some fewer fewer breaks. We can get in uh, more time to talk. Also, uh, The Middle Unplugged is a podcast that drops every Wednesday. This week we talk about the Tommy Tuberville thing with Paul Rykoff, the head of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America talk about what that's all about, how Tommy Tuberville has tried to jam up the Department of Defense by holding up all the promotions. Let's go to one or two more calls before we uh, before we break. Let's go to Dave in New York. Hey, Dave, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks, Anthony, for taking the call. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to when you touched on the subject of, you know, the election not being stolen. 
and you touched on the idea that people who say that the Hunter Biden laptop did not really make that much of a difference. People's minds were already made up. I have to disagree with that. And I think that you kind of skated around that issue. So, you know, maybe you should just skate off the rink for a second and sit in the bleachers because there was only one media outlet that outlined the Hillary Clinton Russia Russia scandal. And all the other media outlets never talked about it. They never talked about the Hunter Biden laptop. Who didn't? Or the or the Hunter Biden laptop was everywhere. It was not on the main media channels. There was nothing about it in October. You just incorrect. It incorrect. It was in the New York Times and the in, in the Washington Post. It was all over the place. And by the way, the only thing that wound up happening when. When Twitter blocked it and Facebook briefly blocked it, all it did is increase the amount of interest in the story. And one thing that you've got to remember, Dave, about the Hunter Biden laptop, and I really appreciate your calling, is you know who had the laptop? The New York Post. You know who else did? Nobody. They didn't share it with anybody. And even the New York Post just had pictures of screen grabs, didn't have a link or anything. You couldn't get out a year later, to a year and a half later, finally, other news outlets got a copy of it, but they never released it. And when 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 different media outlets went to Rudy Giuliani and, Rudy, and and Costello, Rudy Giuliani's lawyer, and said, "Let us have the laptop so we can report it," they said, "No, we're only giving it to the Post." And they said, "Why?" It's because we want someone who's going to deal with this information the way we want them to. <laughs> if you want the story out there, you can't complain that no one put it out there when you wouldn't give it to anybody. They said, "All you're going to get is what is what's in the." And you go back and look at the New York Post from those days. It was pictures of the screen. No links, nothing. And still everyone was talking about it. Now, a lot of people thought it was Russian disinformation because how sus the whole thing was. So like a blind a blind computer store owner in Delaware shows up in October of the election year and says, oh, look what I have. I don't know. Pretty, it did look pretty sus. Now, it turned out it was completely legitimate. But even what was on there... In October of the election year, man, I'm sorry, but people knew who they were voting for. They're going to say, I'm not going to vote for, I'm not going to vote for Hunter Biden because he was a drug addict. He had a book out saying he was a drug addict. He had a book at the, at, at, during the election. I mean, he had given this whole interview to, I think it was the Atlantic. That was horrible. All, I mean, the bad stuff was basically out there. Now, the stuff that's come out since, has not, we, it's now years later, not a single thing is connecting Joe Biden to all of this, which I think would have been a big thing if they had it. And now I see that the post or someone make a big deal that Vice President of the United States used an alias. Oh, really? He didn't use Joe Biden at VP.gov? Really? I'm surprised. I got news for you folks. All, everyone in, in government uses fake aliases or else it'd be too easy to hack into everybody. You think Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, when they were using their Blackberries, were Barack.Obama at, no, he wasn't. And, and I know what Hillary was, I'm not gonna tell you. Just to put it in her own book. So now they're reading, oh, he's, he's leading a secret life. No, my dude, he's, he's just, people use ridiculous emails. You know what mine was? You know what mine was, Ava? Mine was Chef Twan at house dot, house, no, house Cause Twan is short for Antoine. My friend Steve Carney used to call me Antoine, so Twan, and I needed to be eight characters, so I said Chef, whatever it is. So you can try to, by the way, that email's dead now. You can't ever find it. Anyway, this has been a great conversation. I really do appreciate it. There's a lot going on. We're going to keep doing 
you know, trying to get some truth in here. And, and if I get stuff wrong, let me know. Wiener at WABC at gmail.com, at Rep Wiener. At the top of the hour, Curtis Sliwa comes in for left versus right. He's been, he's been a busy bee, man. I don't know if he's running for, I, I know that Sid was saying that he's running for mayor. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. Right now, this doesn't look political. He really does seem to believe this stuff. He's getting locked up and he's going to be prosecuted, I think, by his former wife, Melinda Katz in Queens. Can I go to the trial? If you won't let me, if you won't let me represent him, I just want to go. That's left versus right coming up at four o'clock. This is Anthony Weiner at the middle. Thank you so much for giving me a bit of your time. And we'll see you on the other side of the break. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.